Hello, hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Transcend with M. And with us today is Adriana Ortiz. Adriana Ortiz is an amazing consultant, public speaker, product manager. She's a Latina. Uh, she is involved in an organization that I'm also involved, which is Alpha. Uh, even though she's not in Massachusetts, she's in New York right now. Uh, it's amazing to be able to, you know, get to know you, Adriana, and get to share your story with the world. So welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. I'm excited to be here with you. Yeah, we appreciate it. I know it's a little bit late, even though this will not be, you know, released very late at night. But I really, really want to thank you for taking the time out of your busy schedule. So let's write, let's get right to it. Let's Who do it. Is Adriana? And how did she got here? Who is Adriana and how did I get here? That is that is a good question. Um, you know, it's funny when people usually ask me, like, what are you? Where are you from? I'm like, my mother. I'm from my mother. I came yeah. out of my mother. I was raised by my mother. I am my mother's child. And so a lot of times I think about like what I do, who I am. It's all because of my mama, right? My hustle, my drive, my bluntness. And so that that is who I am through and through. I'm a Bronx girl. I rep the Bronx hard. I love to have fun and I'm goofy and I'm brilliant and I'm beautiful. And then last but not least, I always talk about what I do for work, right? And so then I'm like, I am an educator. I am a social worker. I am a mentor. And through all of that, I do consulting mostly with high school students, college students, and then organizations and companies that work with said folks. And so that is that is who I am. And how did I get here? Around the world is what I tell people. Um, I have moved a lot. I've lived in three different countries. I've lived in five different states in this, in this country. And so I just say, I don't know, somehow I just keep going around and around. Um, but New York is my magnet. It is the, it is the city that made me. And um, no matter where I go, I somehow always end up back here. Amazing. Amazing. I love it. And I think, uh, you know, we always need a place to call home, right? Yeah. So it looks like New York is home for you. It sure <laughs> is. Fantastic. So tell me a little bit about the work. What uh, I'm very intrigued to understand the work that you do with the youth. Yeah. So one, what type of work is it? And mm -hmm. second, why is it so important? Yeah, no, absolutely. Thank you for asking that. The first thing I can tell you is I always tried to be the adult that I needed when I was a teenager, right? I, I grew up um, in the Bronx as well as uptown Manhattan, so like the Inwood area. And I went to school all the way downtown in a very affluent neighborhood where I was one of maybe 20 kids who wasn't white. And so like what that looked like for me, what that meant, um, being in the school that I was at, I was exposed to resources and opportunities and just programs that a lot of the folks I grew up around with were not just because of where they went to school and where we lived. And so throughout my entire career, it's always been about what doors can I open? What keys can I leave? What resources can I bring to my community and what does that look like? And that's been in every single state I've ever lived in. That's what drives me. That's what carries me. 
And so I've been working with youth since I was a youth. My first job was at a summer camp and I just, I knew that I loved working with children um, and, and working with other folks that grew up in communities like mine. And so that's just literally what I've done for the past 15 years of my life now. And I've worked in different high schools, different colleges, and then nonprofits that worked with high school students and college students. And I like to do a lot of things. Like I'm not one of those folks that's like, this is my niche. This is what I'm an expert in. It's more so of, I like to read about this. I like to read about that. I like to do this. I'm active. I like to do workshops. I like to build curriculums. I like to talk to folks. How can I mesh all of that together, <laughs> right? And, and, and do something for myself that, that brings me joy, but also allows me to pay my bills. And so um, I've just mixed all of that, right? My experience working in different states with a lot of different demographics, right? Because I've, I've lived in Colorado, Pennsylvania, California, um, and New York. And so all of those places have very different cultures, very different people. They are very different cities. And so just meshing right. all of that, right? And being able to work with, with different folks. And so um, I used to work for Alpha on the national level, right? And, and I used to be the person that ran um, the student initiatives. And it was through my work with the students that I realized I want to do this for myself, like, I really want to be able to work with more organizations and more schools and and be able to put my own spin on it. And, um, you know, I, I had the privilege of having folks who supported that. Right. My boss and then the CEO, they were like, no, this you're awesome at what you do and you'll definitely flourish. And and so that's just kind of where it's been. So my actual consulting firm is 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 a baby. She's not even a year old. She's still in very infant stages. But a lot of the work that I'm that I've done, I've done for the past 10 years, whether it's through the organizations I worked with or just things that I did on the side, because I'm always trying to figure out what is my side hustle. And um, what I like to do is bring creativity, authenticity and then um what we like to do all together and mesh it, right? Like how do we foster environments where our students can be creative and imaginative no matter what industry they're in, whether they go into the corporate world or they go into the art world, there is, there is a way to stay creative, right? And there is a way to continue using our imagination. I'm a writer, a poet, and so I love to just mesh that into the work that I do and then I like people to put their money where their mouth is. Like if you say you want to do something for a certain community and you want to bring certain resources, I want you to do that and not just tie it to what the grants are telling you that you need to do. But I want you to actually live out your mission. Um, and so just working with folks on figuring out like what are you actually doing to serve the community, to include the community in making decisions for themselves and not, you, and not just you making it for them. And, um, you know, how do we continue to break down certain systems that create this, these red lines and this bureaucracy where you're providing services for us, but you're also holding us back and hindering us? Yeah, no, you're totally correct. And I think it's, it's uh, something you mentioned is really important, is not us doing what we think, but what is actually needed, right? And there is nothing better 
than uncovering that than by getting involved, right? So what are some of the lessons that you've been able to learn by working with the youth now that is different from when you were growing up, which is very different from when I was growing up, right? So tell me, tell me a little bit. For sure. I mean, the connotation or stereotypes of, of at least teenagers is that they're always going to tell you what it is, right? They're always going to be honest. They're going to tell you if you're fake or if you're not. And I think that has been across the board no matter what generation. What I will say about this generation is that they're extra vocal and they have different ways of being vocal, right? So I, I think about what campaigning looks like, what bringing resources and awareness to anything that's happening. And I feel like youth now, just social media has, you know, just transcended what they've been able to do and, you know, the awareness that they've been able to bring to the issues that are important to them and, and just figuring out, like, how can they also help each other? So let's say somebody, uh, there's a school in New York that's doing something and a video goes viral. Now there's a school in LA that sees it and it's like, wait, we have, we're having that same issue. And now there's a school in Kansas that looks at it. And so I think that it just multiplies it at a much faster rate than what things look like before, which can be good and bad. Right. I think the the beautiful part of it is that you do bring quicker awareness to the issues that are occurring and um, our youth have that voice where they can amplify it themselves. What I do see sometimes is there's no strategy for what we're trying to do and how we're trying to do. And now this message is out. And now how do we bottle it back to actually figure out how do we change it and what do we do with it? Something I've noticed, so I, I, I do have a preteen, uh, well, or I don't know, it's, <laughs> she's going to turn 12. I don't know what to, That's know, a preteen. Yeah. It's, it's a teen of, a, of the, okay. Anyways, you, you, you got my point. Um, but something I, I, I've noticed about, about her generation is that they will stick to their guns. Mm -hmm. Like they will they're very difficult to be shaken. Once they believe in something, there is nothing deviating them from that. Um, and I've experienced that, you know, with my, with my daughter, she's very uh, outrageous. Um, and, and she fights if, if, if it's something that she knows is wrong or it's something that, you know, she thinks is unjust in her eyes for what mm -hmm. she believes, uh, she will not stand down. Mm -hmm. So how, how can that help us, uh, I guess, accelerate the process of what we want to achieve with, you know, inclusion and, and, and equality and making sure that, you know, we are leveling the playing field. And at the same time, you know, what are, what are the, the cautionary items that we have to look for? Absolutely. One, I would say, you know, young adults now have no problem just making their own table. They're like, oh, I don't fit at your table. That's okay. I'm going to build my own and it's going to be dope. And then you're going to want to come to my table. Like, that's what I've seen a lot of versus 
my generation and your generation has been about fighting for a seat at the table. And there's usually only one seat that somebody can take. So it's a competition for that seat versus now it's like, we're going to demolish this. We're just going to build our own. And, um, you know, I think that's super important, but also when building that table, making sure that even though now this table is a diverse table, right? Because it's diverse folks who are building it, that you're also not excluding people, right? I think a lot about um, how folks who have been oppressed when they be when they get into power can sometimes become the oppressors. So thinking of like, how do we ensure that we actually dismantle a system and build a new system and not necessarily perpetuate the same system that was somebody else on top, right? And so yeah. thinking about how do we actually do that by educating folks, by learning history, but also, again, this, I have a love-hate relationship with technology, right? And how do we teach our students to become critical thinkers? And how do we teach them to stay imaginative? And how do we teach them to to think for themselves, right? I think Uh um, with social media, something goes viral. I've seen a lot of youth not double check or fact check what they're reading or even read an entire article. They'll just read the headline and start having this conversation of like, fulano hizo esto y fulano hizo esto. And I'm like, but that's not what the article said, honey. Like, let's 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 talk about it. Let's read it. Um, and so that's really frustrating, right? Or or even just like small skills that I think um some students need to learn. Like I a week ago, I got a phone call from a student who was like, I'm trying to call this number, but it says 1-800 and then it had a word. And he was like, how do I call this number? And I'm like, oh, there's letters next to this. So there's like certain things where I'm like, y'all have been so consumed by things being at your fingertips, which is beautiful because you have access to so much information and so Mm -hmm. many resources at a faster rate but you don't know what to do when you actually have to work for it and look for it or just go a little bit above and beyond. But it also makes life easier. Right. And so, again, it's the gift and the curse and my love hate relationship with it all. <laughs> I think it's so funny. I'm laughing internally because, um, you know, I, there was a situation, I think it was like two or three years ago when TikTok became the thing, right? Mm-hmm. Like TikTok has been around for a little bit, but when it became like the thing, yeah. um, there was something, I don't remember specifically what, but I remember some of my daughter and some of her friends going like, well, it is on TikTok. So it is real. <laughs> it's also real. And I'm like, uh, no, <laughs> like, nope. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so it is it is a little bit true uh, on what what you say, you know, it's like, no, you know what I need to use? Atlas, <laughs> the encyclopedia. Do you know what that even is? <laughs> I know. You know, so so it is so true, like fact checking. And I feel like, you know, a lot of the the common sense is not common sense anymore. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, yeah. as, as, as an owner of a company, when I, now I'm hiring, mm-hmm. I really need to ask all these behavioral questions and all these yeah. questions that I, I thought it will be, you know, just common sense. 
to yeah. to have certain things right so but it's becoming more apparent now that we have to actually uh talk about all these basics right just yeah. to make sure where where is the where is the hole right what is that i really need to like focus on here because they're brilliant people they are um But there is just that, uh, there is just a certain gap there where like they haven't had to work so hard for certain things that mm -hmm. are, uh, for us, it's just like, well, is you do this and you do that, right? right. So um, back to the point of um, where you say, you know, we need to make sure we're not excluding people. I yeah. think that is really important. Um Because I work in the insurance industry, very, very, you know, male dominated um, and, and, and whatnot. And I am true advocate for women. And uh, it is a very hard balance to have because, you know, I'm a very huge advocate for women. I'm always putting content out there for women. Mm -hmm. uh, but all my business partners are male. Interesting. Okay. And, you know, I adore working with them because I, I enjoy, you know, there is a great dynamic. It's, uh, you know, I, I, I contribute very well with their personalities and whatnot. Um, but there is still to be another female leader within my group, right? It mm -hmm. hasn't come, it hasn't come yet, but my, my, my staff, It's 95% plus women, mm. right? So it, it is very hard because when you show up and you show up authentically for the things that matter, uh, people automatically assume that because you are so heavy into that topic or you believe so hard into something that you are excluding this part of the population, right? Mm -hmm. I'm Latin. I'm always talking about Latinos. I'm always talking right. about women. So like the rest of the world doesn't matter. But the reality is that, you know, we have to make it clear that certain advocacy is for everyone is not just for a segmented group of people so how do you think we can improve our messaging into not letting that gray area mm -hmm. uh get the best of people so the messaging doesn't doesn't get doesn't get mixed up what what have you done or what do you think can be done in order to right. kind of bridge that gap for sure i mean i feel like a lot of my work because it's in the education world i think mm -hmm. a lot about people's different learning styles and people's different physical ab abilities Um, and then their language barriers, right? So I, so for example, I think a lot about when we do icebreakers and we automatically assume that people could stand up and sit down and move around the room, right? Like that is, you know, people want to have engagement in that way, but there are some people that you may not know are not able to stand up and sit down, right? And do you even include that in within the things that you do from the first moment that you have, a group that comes together, right? And so if you have never really thought about people's physical abilities or people's learning abilities when hosting some sort of group that comes together, it's your blind spot, 
Right. And so I think a lot because of that's the because that's the work that I do and in, in hosting workshops and facilitating um, events in that nature where we're always thinking about how do we build community? There are times when people are excluded. Now, it's a matter of are they excluded for a reason or are they excluded because you were blinded by something of your own biases And also, what are you doing to rectify it, right? Because there are affinity groups for a reason. There are times when people want to be together with folks that identify within the same realm as them so they can talk about issues that persist to them, right? But even within those affinity groups, you have other micro affinity groups, right? And like, there's a time and a place to split those up and not, right? I think about... I went to an event where we got split up into a Latinx affinity group. And then within our group, they were trying to break us up into like micro ones. But it was done in a way that people felt they had to choose which micro one they fit into. Right. So they, you know, for example, they had groups of like if you're Afro Latina, if you're a white presenting, if you're a mother, if you are um non-religious and like they had all these different groups if you have um your 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 um your citizenship status like all these things and there were people who are like well I fit into like all five of these now I have to choose one and even within my own group right and so I think sometimes we unconsciously do it anyways because we're trying to build such an inclusive place and so I think thinking about like what is your end goal when creating inclusive places like what what do you want it to be? What do you want it to look like? Do you do you want to have the, these open discussions where people can can, you know, be honest about this is the lens I'm seeing things. This is the work that I'm doing. Yeah. And then from there, figuring out what is this space that I'm in supposed to be. Right. Mm-hmm. Because okay. I think about organizations such as Alpha that we're both, you know, involved with. It's the Association yeah. of Latino Professionals for America. We we serve mostly Latino folks, but it's also not Latino exclusive. Like you can join Alpha and not be affiliated, you know, biologically in any which way to a Latin American country. Right. Mm -hmm. Like there are students who still get scholarships and there are folks who still serve on the board who don't identify within Latinidad. But it's also understanding that there are certain scholarships that are only going to go to Latino students because that's what the money is going for. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, And so just understanding how do we have those conversations of like, yes, you can be a part of a group, but understanding like when you're the ally and when you're the one who directly benefits from this group. But also knowing that no matter what group you create, there's always going to be a gap in somebody feeling like they're excluded, even within, even if they feel like they are a part of the community. And like, how do we have the conversations where we don't get defensive, right? And where we can actually say, okay, I'm so sorry. I didn't think about it this way. I'm actually blinded in this sense. And, and you know, I didn't think about that. Right. Yeah. Like, um, I recently hosted a, a workshop on relocation. And um, one of the questions that was posed by an audience member was, well, what do you do if one of your family members is nonverbal 
right? Like how do you maintain communication with them if you move away from them? And I hadn't thought about it, right? Like I, I hadn't thought about it. I didn't have somebody on my panel that could speak to that because it was something I was blinded to. It's not something that necessarily affects me directly. But as soon as we got off the panel, I started doing my research to make sure that like I can get back to her with an answer, uh-huh. right? Like, I'm so, you know, thank you for bringing this up to me. And now it's something that I'll continue to think about as I, you know, host other workshops of like, okay, yeah. what is something that can come up that I don't think about? And it is our responsibility to understand our differences, right? And how can we foster that uh, inclusivity and, and how we can open those doors, right? There is this misconception that, you know, because we're all Latinos, that we all believe, act, have the same background, same culture. And the reality is that, you know, you are Latina, I am Latina. But you grew up in the Bronx. I grew up in Puerto Rico. Right. We are very, very different people. Right. And we and we surround ourselves with very, very different people, right? And when it comes to, like, cultural things, we have very, very different cultures, right. you know? So one of the things, uh, I'm part of a lot of groups here um, in Massachusetts uh, for, you know, Latinos and whatnot. And I think one of the things that we are all coming to the realization is that regardless what is that you are trying to do, Mm -hmm. you need to have representation of every single country that you want to create change for. Right. Let's say if you are going to go, let's say you No, I was just asking, um, you know, how, how do you see, um, let me just recap my question. You know, how, how do you see us improving into not only recognizing uh, and honoring what, you know, makes us, you know, equals, but how do you feel your work Uh, And the work we're putting out there is helping us to honor our differences because that's that's the most important thing, right? Honor our differences and honor, um, you know, who we are as individuals. And I think that's the only way that, you know, we can bring uh, this new generation to probably, you know, bridge that gap as, as much as we wanted to see it. No, absolutely. I mean, first and foremost, I always think of showing up as yourself, right? Like the more that people actually show up as themselves and we normalize it, the more people are going to be like, oh, wait, I can actually just be me. I can talk how I want to talk and I can dress how I want to dress and I can I can do the work that I want to do. Um, you know, I think a lot about I there's a doctor I work with who shows up everywhere in sweats and a hoodie. Like I've never seen him dressed up ever. Like I've hosted workshops with him and I'm like, and I love it because, you know, people don't think he's a doctor. Right. Mm-hmm. And he, you know, and then he starts to speak and everybody's like, Oh wait, Oh, but he's not in like a, a white coat and he's not in a suit. And I think that's beautiful, right? For him to to step out of the norm, right? I think about 
um, I decided to really leave nine to fives because I didn't want to dress a certain way anymore. Like I just, I was over it and I was over having to talk a certain way. And I was, you know, I just was like, you know what, I'm going to do work with folks who are okay with me not code switching in any which way or form, because I'm not going to, and I'm tired of it. And, um, and so I think a lot about like, how do we normalize that, right? Like how do we make it more often that people stop code switching their personalities, their language, their outfits? Um, because at the end of the day, how we look, how we dress, how we talk doesn't actually change what we know. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, it, it, you know, and I think there's, there's this notion that you have to talk a certain way for people to listen to you or for people to think that you're smart. And, right. and it took me a long time to be able to realize that even if I said, yo, you're bugging <laughs> about something, it didn't change the fact that I knew that whatever you were doing was confusing and didn't make sense. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right. No, and- I love it. I love it. Showing up authentically, I think it's yeah. it's a it's a it's a huge thing, and it takes work. It yeah. takes a lot of work. Believe it or not, it takes a lot of work. I am one of those people that I have to, you know, depending on the audience, I definitely have to switch. You know, right. like my my approach because, you know, it's not that I'm not ready; is that they are not ready. Right. So it's uh it is a, a very hard thing to do. It is a very hard thing to do, but working slowly to get there. So Adriana, yes. If people want to work with you, Absolutely. uh if people want to reach out to you, mm-hmm. uh tell us a little bit, give us give us your pitch, you know, like what can people reach out to you for? What are you interested in working them with and where mm-hmm. can they where can they get a hold of you? Absolutely. So I re well, when people reach out to me, I tend to have a conversation of like, what do you want? What do you need? What are some of the problems that you're having? Or what are some of the programs that you're trying to get off the ground? Right? Because I don't like to just tell people what I do, because then they try to think about does this fit with what I need or what I don't need versus let's talk about it. What, what are some of the issues that you're facing within your work? Like, why are you all of a sudden reaching out to somebody? If you're mm-hmm. looking for somebody for something, it's because you have a question that needs an answer or you have a problem that needs a solution. So let's figure out what that problem is, what that question is, and then if I can answer it for you or if I can refer you to somebody who can actually help you, right? And so yeah. I do anything from talking to an entire organization about how their students are feeling if we're doing an evaluation on a program that they that they have, right? Or how to further engage their students. I've had folks who who will host workshops or will host programs and they're like, my students are bored or they're on their phone. Like, how do I create this to be an engaging thing? And how do I get them to talk or who do I need to bring in? So thinking about that, um, as I said before, I want to add creativity into everything I do. So how do we um, remind adults how to be creative. How do we go back to that childhood imagination so that your work evolves, right? Like, you know, and so thinking about what that looks like. Um, I've worked with 
independent schools who want to train their teachers on, on again, providing those, those environments for students. And then I love working with folks who want to know what their students actually want to do. So how do we create open discussions for students to be able to tell staff members like, this is what we need and this is what we want and this is what we want created because this is where we're trying to take it. And then with organizations, so corporate 500 companies that provide fellowships or programs, um, especially geared towards youth and high school students and college students, like how do I support you with that? Because I feel like a lot of times corporate 500 companies have folks that have been in the in, in the corporate world trying to provide educational programming without folks who have been in the educational world, right? So how do we how do we combine that? Right? Yeah. Because you have a lot of expertise that our students should be exposed to, but we also have to make it digestible for them, right? And interesting for them. And yeah. so thinking about that, and then I do one-on-one -on -one work with people. I am all about your internal work, right? And how that transforms your drive and your motivation. So I also work with folks who are just trying to level up, right? In their own, in their own work, whether it's, I'm just trying to be a better person and grow patience and learn how to meditate. <laughs> I do have a social work background. So I think a lot about like how you show up as a person, um, you know, within your work. And then I, I also work with students who are just trying to get a job for the very first time. So how do I provide professional development with you? How do I walk you through what certain conversations look like with your manager? So it's a range, right? And I, I am open to talking to anybody. And I'm always the type of person that if I can help you, I will absolutely help you. But I feel, but if I feel that what you need is above what I can do. I also am connected to a lot of people and will connect you to the person who can support you. Um, how to find me uh, on Instagram. It's um, Adri Maria underscore consulting. So that so that's a, a way to find me. And then my website, which is the same name, Adri Maria Consulting, is actually going live this week. Yay! Uh, <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah. Oh, so goodness. thank you, thank you. So it's going live this week, and that will be a way to find me. And then on LinkedIn, LinkedIn is also a great way to find me. Um, yeah, I I mean, kind of like the way you and I connected. I'm always open to a conversation. I tell people yeah. you are one handshake away from changing your entire life. So, yeah. you know, 100%. if you reach out to me and you want to have a five, ten minute conversation, we could figure out if it's a conversation that goes longer or if it's a conversation that ends after five minutes. And it's okay. Yeah. A hundred percent. Well, I really appreciate you being here. I really you. appreciate you sharing your journey, uh, sharing your insights, and most importantly, doing the work that you do. You know, we need more people like you out there in the world, you know, teaching and showing that it is possible to just, you know, be who you want to be and lead by example. So thank you so much for that. And I really, really appreciate uh, you showing up for all of those that, you know, might not, might not have the same opportunities as you did, but you are definitely paying it forward. So I, I really appreciate that. And I think we all can thank you for it. I appreciate you too. <laughs> Amazing. Well, there you have it, Adriana. Um, remember, go into her website, which is going live. Um, 
adrimariaconsulting.com. Uh, and if you need to reach out to her, you know, you want to like do some type of, you know, one-on-one, -on -one, make sure that you hit her up on Instagram or LinkedIn and she's super responsive. So thank you so much. Let's just keep the conversation going. Yes. And thank you very much for being on the podcast today. Thank you. Thank you. Have a good one. Have an amazing night, folks. <laughs>